0: What's going on, world? Jack of all spades, CLT, back like Martin Luther King Jr. in that episode of Boom Docs. I am the beloved one, DJ Spellman. To my left, we have the pride of Africa, Ken YBB. Hey,
1: it's your boy YBB, pride of Africa. Shout out to all the diaspora. Shout out to all the diaspora.
0: Yes, yes, y'all. Fan favorite is back off hiatus. We got the yes. boy Banks in the beat.
2: Oh, it feels good to be back. Banks on the beat, Blue Water Banks, uh, Fat Boy Tires, uh, long live, of course. Still 3,700. Wilkinson Boulevard. Come on now. <laughs> the
0: hub. I'm grateful to be here. Let's get <laughs> yes, it. Yes, yes. Hold tight, Jay Marlowe. Hold tight, Amaris. But today, we got Carla running the cameras today. So we appreciate you, appreciate you as always, sis. Mm-hmm. But today, mm-hmm. our special guest. Yes. So. This individual is a Greenville, South Carolina native. Mm -hmm. He is also a lover of whiskey and ginger. We have the most hated it, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, y'all? I hope that whatever I say today does not get you canceled or thrown out of this building. Nah, nah, nah. I we know. ain't say it. You said it. Right? Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great response. <laughs> we will the, not be held liable for what Demon Wesley says on this
2: episode. And the
1: thoughts of the guests are the guests alone. <laughs> there
2: you go. See, so now you're <laughs> disclaimer. You, disclaimer. But I'm definitely telling you to fire off whatever you got to 100%. You. I am holding nothing be back you. Back That's back. why not, we brought you, boy. All. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Now, uh, for all our first-time listeners, last-time listeners, this is how we all get it started. This is the intro. This is the flower segment. Damn it, Wesley. Damn it, there's a lot on this page. Let's start there. Um, Winthrop alumni, uh, artist, muralist, curator, co-founder, and creative director of Black Market CLT, pirate radio DJ, graphic designer. Catalyst, activist, educator, connector, former podcaster. Let's talk, damn it! Uh, creator of Durag Fest. If you don't know, Soma, Black Mecca, anything and paint, champagne and chicken. Let's paint, damn it, and damn it, Fanny. Now featured in Elder Gallery of Contemporary Art. Charlotte's got a lot. Talking walls, Camp Northen, Essence. Say that one more time, Essence <laughs> Travel Noir Blavity WFAE. What's that? Charlotte Culture. I'm sorry, stumbled on that. Yahoo Harvey B. Gantt QC Metro. Charlotte is Creative Boom Charlotte QC Narrow. <laughs> it's the block. Charlotte, go ahead. I'm sorry, QC Creatives. You know, there's so much. I just hey, had yo, to hold on. <laughs> I was trying to keep a rhythm, and then it's like, yo, it, 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 You know, it's a lot of work here. Uh. Jalen and Jacoby, and The Breakfast Club. Golly. <laughs> God damn it. That's what, that's what <laughs> Most flowers.
0: I, I told him before, pre-show, most flowers for a guest.
2: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm glad to be breaking barriers today. <laughs> breaking
1: barriers and records.
2: Yeah, to start on all that, man, like, obviously, there's a lot of work in all these mm-hmm. things I just mentioned. So, like... If you want to talk about your background a little bit, just give us some, you know, information on everything we just told our our listeners. I mean,
3: okay, what do I say after that? Um, (laughs) Like, my, my background is real simple. Like, I'm just a black kid from Greenville, South Carolina, who saw the writing on the wall to get out early enough in life and just, like, persevere. Honestly, that's really about it. Um... I think growing up, all too often, we would like hear people's like life stories, and you know, it was like some great trauma or something. It's like, you know, I saw I saw my cats burnt alive in my house uh, when it was struck by lightning, and you know, at, at that very moment, I knew I had to be <laughs> the president of the United States. Right? That was it. Yeah. yeah there was like there, there was there was no great weight on me to do anything that I did outside of being black and dying. Yeah. And I just think that idea of knowing that I'm black and one day. Uh, there's gonna be nobody left to tell my story just kind of like encourage me to live uh, the best life possible Mm -hmm. so that uh my legacy can can persevere through others or at least like I won't be the nigga to have like a boring funeral right Right? Mm -hmm. right. nobody (laughs) wants to be that guy (laughs) no so I've just been interested in trying to write the most colorful story possible while I'm here so that way when I'm dead Mm and gone like niggas is in the church for 6 hours talking <laughs> about that one time that I did and then insert a very long soliloquy or story here like that's yeah that's it
1: Whew. man 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 now you spoke about trauma so speaking about trauma
3: <laughs>
1: was damn was the damn it Wesley movement really named after your next girlfriend
3: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> a- wow yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely uh you know when we in college our brains are still soft. We're not supposed to be in, like, relationships or nothing like that. That's supposed to happen. Mm. So it's like I was chilling with a homeboy one day. Like, like the guy I was chilling with, we weren't even that close. I was at a friend's house, and they left, and he was there. Yeah. And we was just talking. He looked at my phone because, like, you know, this girl was calling. She wanted me to, like, move some stuff, like, out of her, like, dorm room apartment or something. We weren't even dating no more. So he sees the name. He's like, God damn it, Wesley. And I'm like, "What? what hey, what, what What happened? What, what happened? What would that mean? He's like, that girl. I was like, what? That girl calling you, man. She, she don't like Wesley Snipes. So I was like, wow. <laughs> uh, that's so petty. We love them cha-
1: all. <laughs> let, me,
3: let me change my Twitter name right now. Meela changed the Twitter name, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, it stuck. It just stuck. Mostly because I couldn't remember my password to get back into Twitter to change it. But it just worked for everything else. So that's, that's, that's how the moniker got there. Yeah. And I think just sort of, I just think that, like, having that pen name or just having this, like, character on the internet who was saying, like, this very, like, brackadocious, like, very loud, like, out-of-pocket thing sort of, like, not necessarily gave me a confidence boost, but sort of, like, gave me, like, a shield or a facade to, like, walk into spaces and not necessarily have to be myself. Yeah. And... You know, having a name like Dammit Wesley, it's kind of hard for negative things to really, like, reflect on you. Because it's like, you know, the nigga's name is Dammit Wesley. What did you expect?
0: <laughs> right?
3: So, it's
0: it's just
1: been helpful to keep. Nah, nice it's fly, though.
0: Not like, nah, you just sparked something in me, though. So, with Dammit Wesley being a moniker, <laughs> like, when you're in your personal time, are you still, not to say that character, but the things <laughs> that Dammit Wesley says, are, is that still who you are outside <laughs> of that persona? To a... Uh, to, like to a degree, I believe that with the
3: damn Wesley persona, he's just he's just louder. He's louder. He's a bit more fearless, and also, like I said, it's it's no it's no repercussions for your imaginary friend, right? No. <laughs> I like how you put that. Yeah. I like that, my 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 fictional self faces like no backlash mm. for any of that stuff. Real like, while the real me is very much rooted in reality, and you know me as a real person making these mistakes can can quantify and bodily harm.
2: Damn it Wesley, he's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, the ex might come back for some credit after hearing this. He's <laughs> <This, this, this laughs> telling you in advance, you know? Um, so the transition from that, we all know, you know, art imitates life. So you said that the arts have always been a powerful weapon. Speak to that. Okay, so
3: let's go back like 2,000 years, right? We're somewhere in the Middle East. There's this guy named Jesus. All his homeboys are out fishing. They go into people's houses, having parties. They talking about, like, hey, nigga, get up. Your feet work. Drinking wine. Drinking wine, having a good time and stuff, right? He dies at 33, and the world goes on. And then the Catholic Church is like, hey, yo, white dude, we want you to paint a picture of Jesus. And now, 2,000 years later, this nigga is white, blonde hair, Blue eyes, <laughs> hella Italian, despite the text in the book saying these niggas was in the Middle East, they probably came from the northern part of Africa, so mm. clearly we talking brown people, right? The Wooly co- hair. Yeah. yeah <laughs> hair so it's like the cognitive dissonance of what you see versus what you Shoot. know mm. is at play. And that's the power of artwork, right? It's the rebranding, the reimagining, you know what I'm saying? People live in the reality of what they see. Mm-hmm. like. Speak. it. The past four to eight years have been hella hard because memes are being used as political ads, right? Yeah. You would even need to write. You don't need facts. If it's a picture of Joe Biden eating a baby, Joe Biden really ate that baby. And mm. I know it's true because <laughs> I saw it on Facebook, right? It sounds dumb, but that's the power of art. Mm. I went to school for graphic design, and, like, one of the only things they taught me there is, like, as a graphic designer, uh, it's your job to be a visual communicator. So if you're making a billboard, you got like 0.2 seconds to get somebody's attention and have it stick. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure as you guys are going up and down 77, you can see the McDonald's billboards in your head. You know that the hash browns are like half off. Or you know that they're bringing mm-hmm. back uh, the chicken strips or the McRibs, right? I always bring you back the McRibs. Right. You ain't spend a lot of time looking at the billboard. was no. just like, just like mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. Now it's in your brain It's stuck with you. That's the power of art, and there's a long legacy of of artists of color, uh, especially like black artists. When thinking like uh, like the Black Panthers and stuff, using art and design as an actual weapon, right? Um, most people call it like propaganda, but mm, yeah, it's a weapon. You, you you it's it's a call to arms. You can disrupt people, places, mm-hmm. and things with images, and if you're really good at it, you can make that shit stick. Uh, if we go back to, like, the Obama administration and stuff, like, his run was iconic because he had good art. He mm-hmm. had good design. Yep. Um, the
2: old t-shirt. Exactly. Yep,
1: the old t-shirt.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, visuals are dangerous. It's a dangerous game we're playing mm-hmm. over here. Like, everybody likes to blame music and rap lyrics for, like, violence. But if you get down to the nitty-gritty, it's, like, the things that you see.
1: That's crazy, though, cause I never actually thought of, of art that way. And it's so true. It's two seconds, three seconds. To you get the right graphic design together. It says a lot. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's so.
3: What I try to do with my art is, when when I make these pieces that are dealing with like race or just dealing with like the black experience, I try to make them as uncomfortable as possible for the white audience, right? Because um, I don't want to have to talk to you about your guilt. I want you to deal with it. And a good artist knows how to offload that weight, visually, onto the viewer. So now they have to have that discussion with themselves, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have to go to their ther- therapist and be like, um, am I racist? In reality, in your head, it's like, I have some issues, right? I have some biases that I need to deal with. And it's me that's having this conversation mm-hmm. with me not me asking some black guy in the coffee shop, not me going on the internet and getting caught in some vacuum talking about uh, wokeness, slow, snowflake culture. No, it's you talking to you about you. And art does that, it forces introspection. Message. Yeah. Look, election. <laughs> <man.
0: laughs> so you've, look, Jack of All Space Nation, you've heard why. We brought this young man on, but we gotta go a little bit deeper. Hmm. So one of the things, one of the many things, let me say, that we appreciate about you is that you are unapologetically you. Like you're being, like you said, making people feel uncomfortable, that's your M.O. So you say the things that most black people are thinking but really don't have that mouthpiece, and you've kind of been in that space. So when did you find your voice, or when did you stop giving a fuck about what the others thought?
3: Um I don't I don't think I ever really gave too much of a fuck about what people thought when it came to uh how I felt or how I was speaking. Um I was the kid that grew up with a speech impediment. So probably until I was maybe like 6 years old I had to go to like speech therapy, right? I had like this really bad stutter and I think like in those early years I realized that I could draw out my sentences, or at least I could draw things out and people would understand that quicker than they mm-hmm. understood the words that I was trying to get out of my mouth, right? Mm. So when I finally got to a point where I could, uh, you know, express myself in a coherent, non-rambling kind of way, I was just appreciative of it, right? Uh, I know that like, I mean, well, you know, like all kids, they really don't,
4: they don't have no filter, right? Yeah. They,
3: they, they have no, uh, Perspective of what is appropriate and what isn't appropriate. That's the beauty of it when when <laughs> we're when talk, when, when talking to folk, and
4: mm-hmm.
3: I don't think anybody really forced me to grow out of that. Um, I did like a lot of oratory contests. Uh, I went to a Baptist church that was just in love with theater, so every chance them niggas had to do a play. <laughs> we, was doing, <laughs> we was in costume, memorizing lines, just doing whatever. Uh, my sister reminded me the other week that uh, one Halloween they had a Holyween service. And they did a play about the rapture and stuff, right? And they did like a little surprise. They cut all the lights out in the church, and when they cut back on, half the congregation was missing. and They, read. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they didn't even warn nobody in they the came. play what what's happening. It's like they came got you. So you, know, you out here like ten years old, like what is going on in it? <laughs> so I mean, just, just 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 so like having that background in like theater and, and dabbling mm-hmm. in drama and poetry and creative writing and and and, and all that kind of stuff. I just learned how to speak mm. and i learned that being in front of people and talking gives you a lot of power mm-hmm. you can command a lot out of folk if you're just standing up a little bit taller than them mm. and you're projecting to a room so i mean yeah it's, it's, it's really been no reason for me to shut the fuck up honestly <laughs> mm.
1: hmm. so now as an artist everything you create is an intersection between race uh, American consumerism and pop culture. How did that become your lane, or do you realize that's your lane?
3: <laughs> I I didn't realize that was my lane until like, <laughs> maybe like four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was when I was in school, when I went to went to university, uh, I was going for graphic design, and I think it was like my sophomore year. I ended up getting into a little squabble with a professor, right? Um, you know, since I had these great speaking skills and I could like command a classroom I was coming into conflicts with a lot of my professors if you've ever taken a visual arts class uh, there's one thing that's standard in all of them it's a critique Mm. so at the end of every project the end of every day the goal is for everybody to put their work up and then you criticize it right Uh, Mm. you start by saying what you like what you don't like and how you can fix it or improve it Mm. When you're 17, 18 years old and you're outspoken, and you've already had like years of fine arts education and training, that can be intimidating to a older white man or woman who's in their 50s or 60s and they're stuck being an adjunct professor at a college in Rock Hill, South Carolina, right? So me essentially not folding to uh, their criticisms of me, while also people were appreciating the criticisms I was giving to them, put me in direct conflict with that type of authority, right? Mm. And essentially came to a head when this one white lady named Wendy, I'm calling you out. Name dropping. I hope you're I hope you're out of work, bitch. Um, <laughs> she, she was essentially sharing my grades with other students. They were doing like these one-on-one reviews, and uh, this one kid I was cool with was like, hey, yo, um, I don't know if I should tell you this book. Wendy told me you're failing this class. She said you have, like, a D, and you're probably going to fail. And I thought that was where she told me that. I just wanted you to know. And I was like, oh, bet, right? Wow. <laughs> yeah, so, what like. A hater. Yeah, yeah, she, she's a hater. So, at this time, it's probably, like, 2000 and, it's, like, 2005, 2006. In my head, like, I'm going to graduate college. I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to work for, like, Vibe magazine, The Source. So, like, all my <laughs> stuff is, like, big, bold print. Um. Very black, very urban. And her complaint is all my stuff is urban. Well, listen. Uh, <laughs> I mean I'm
2: black. Right? Like what do like, you <laughs> like like what, what do you expect? Like she this, just doesn't understand
3: it. Like yeah. She clearly doesn't understand it. And I've been making it known to her that she doesn't understand my type of design. But since she doesn't like it personally, mm-hmm. not based on a rubric of like mm-hmm. uh you know, like the sizes and proportions don't match or this font doesn't agree with this or like your choice of color could she just doesn't like it or get it so now she's failing me and she's telling all the white folks so when she came back to the classroom i like read this bitch for phil for like 10 minutes straight her feelings were hurt she walked out and the white guy that told me that he said wow (laughs)
0: <laughs> profound he, so. profound he Brad me. was with it, yeah. Was with it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, Allies Yeah. So you know like
3: I mean so like after all that I kind of like blackballed myself From the department and oh, I had to Find some other way to graduate And there was this one professor there he was like a superstar His name was Adolphus Belk He was this black guy and he did like all the African American studies African American politics shit And you know he was like a young dude He was probably like in his like mid 30s you get in this classroom, uh, he's teaching with Ice Cube lyrics and shit. Okay. And <laughs> I I'm kind of instructor, Right, and I'm like, I'm like okay, like, I'm gonna I'm fuck around here for a little bit. And next thing I know, I, I see my advisor, and she's like, hey, listen, uh, it's time for you get up out of here, and just looking at what you, you've been doing, like, just take this social sciences, this, just take this African American studies degree. African American studies and just take this minor in art, and get out. on out your way. And I was like, I right, bet, cool. So I haven't been like armed with like all this history of African American politics and culture and like my disdain for like the white gaze when it comes to fine arts. I just started making things that reflected that, and knowing that I, me, you, we uh, exist in America for the sake of capitalism, um, knowing that. I have continued to be here because of consumerism, knowing that the culture here is predicated off of my intellectual properties. Mm-hmm. That's what's reflected in my work, right? I shouldn't be in America, right? We should not be here, but we are. And ever since we've been here, there's been a value attached to our bodies and our beings that we cannot capitalize off of, right? Yes, If you go on TikTok right now, uh, you'll see a lot of foodies talking about American food is, in fact, slave food, which it is, right? A lot of the music we listen to is slave music, right? A lot of the fashion that we have that's very popular right now, right, that was derived from us. And we don't capitalize off none of this Uh. shit because we still don't own ourselves. And not to be like a, a conspiracy brother. Or like you know, uh, super hotel about none of this shit. Mm-hmm. I want my work to make people feel uncomfortable in the fact that they are living in a perpetual state of virtual blackface. Mm. Mm. Man, when Nicki Minaj said "All you bitches and my sons," she was technically right to some degree, right?
4: Mm. There's not.
3: There is not one white person or. There is not one person in general in America that is not a derivative of Black culture, and yet we don't get any of the credit, any of the props, any of the money. We don't own our legacy, our footprint, and everybody is in our everybody's in our fucking shoes. Mm. I mean, if you want to take it like one step further, um, I know we were talking about like uh, subscription-based services and just how like. Uh, Capitalism is growing. A lot of white folk don't realize that they didn't get off the plantation. It grew. The plantation turned to a factory, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're still working those hours, right? They mm-hmm. brought psychologists in to figure out how to break white people's spirits by having them do the same job over and over again, right? They say that uh, socialism will be a future where you own nothing and you're happy. We don't own nothing now, and we're miserable, right? Right? Back in 1995, you could buy like a Windows computer and it had Microsoft Office on there. Now you buy a computer, you gotta spend eight hundred dollars for the Microsoft Office suite.
1: Not even that, you gotta get you gotta actually do the, the subscription now. So you don't even own the, the actual software. Yeah. You can't,
3: right? <laughs> so it's so, so it's like we're going back to that plantation ideology. It's like you you're just here. You don't own nothing. You don't own your work. You don't own your clothes. All of this is being given to you by a a benevolent character. Uh, Your master, if you will. Uh, 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 Who's the nigga that own Facebook? Uh, Zuckerberg.
4: Zuckerberg. Yeah.
3: Zuckerberg, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 The nigga that own Jeff Bezos, right? Yeah. We know the plantation owners, and it's only a matter of time before Bezos and Tesla or whoever else sets up, um, you know, uh, work-to-live communities. It's like, oh, yeah, you work for us, and... We give you a three-bedroom apartment, and your grocery store is right downstairs, and we provide your transportation, and then we also pay all your bills. But you never leave work. You're always going to be here. They already got it set up where you can just walk into the store, pick up what you want, and they take it out of your account. Right? You own nothing. You don't even own your money. Mm. Right? So my my work is just sort of like exploring not the the, the future aspects of those things, but just like where they're crossing over now from the black experience. Um, I think it was probably like eight years ago, I was in my apartment and I realized that like, i like done all these portraits of like black women that i found off like Tumblr and stuff, like all these exercise paintings and stuff, right? And nobody was buying them. Um, so I just played with the idea of just putting like luxury name brands on the paintings and stuff, like a Prada here, a Gucci, Hermes, and immediately the painting started selling, right?
4: Mm.
3: No questions asked. Like, nobody wanted the black women until I put a label on them. And now they're buying these black bodies. The one who was buying the black bodies, white women. They were snatching them up because of the labels. I had literally branded the black people in my paintings and folk could not wait to buy them. And that's when the wheels started turning. I'm like, wow, like I'm, I'm still a fucking product in this bitch. Mm.
1: Did that make you mad? that I sold as opposed to just the the black women by themselves on the photo? On the on the portrait? I
3: I can't even say it made me mad because I, I knew why. Yeah. Right? I like I wasn't like I wasn't surprised. I needed the money. I think I was just more I think I was just more curious about like how far this could go. Like the mm-hmm. the 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 behaviors of, of people. And 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 like the visuals and and brand identities and all this kind of stuff, like it it made me curious. So I started to experiment more and and just see what happens.
1: Hmm. That's very very eye opening. Like even we know you're an artist and you could draw great. And it's amazing how when you talk, I'm in my head. I'm seeing you paint what you're talking. It's crazy. You're really good with your words, bro. (laughs) I gotta commend you for that.
2: Let me let me also ask. Like with that being said, like that can also mentally fuck with you. Yeah. So, like, that's something else, like, what do you do on that side of things to, like, just take care of yourself and make sure, like, this shit don't take you over the <laughs> edge or or do you not even, like, worry about that? Because, I mean, you're an artist, so I've seen that happen before, too, and I, mean, huh. I, I don't, like... Man, I don't even know.
3: I'm 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 pretty sure I should be like seeking therapy right now for <laughs> for some shit. Cause you, I mean, being black in America is hard. But yeah, that, say that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I try not to take the things that I make too seriously, right? Um, I try to include like a lot of like inside jokes or like nuances. But for me, growing up, race was always a thing. And it's not like I was like experiencing the hand of racism. It's just I was always aware yeah. of, of of racism. Um, both my grandmothers, my mother, and my father's side were like born at the tail end of like 1910, right? So they had seen it all. They had they had grown up in like their grandparents sharecropping shacks. They had mm-hmm. seen the Harlem Renaissance. Mm. Um, both of them had gotten into like blade wielding altercations with the clan so like the stories they're telling me as a child are sort of like uh setting the table for how i navigate the world as a six or seven year old right uh i I believe everybody's mother has been like hey listen you gotta work two times as hard as these white kids get Mm -hmm. half as much right but my mom was a teacher At the same school i went to so that was different for me because like i'm seeing it on both sides i'm seeing it as a student and i'm seeing it as like a teacher's aide i'm seeing it in her classroom when i go in there like in the afternoons so it's like i was just always aware i remember like i was probably like seven eight years old it's a thunderstorm at like seven o'clock in the morning right in the car looking out the window and uh there's a gas station beside this mcdonald's that's like down the street from my house right and it's this kid. I guess he missed the bus. He's just trying to get across the street. This gas station attendant, white guy, goes and picks up an umbrella and helps this kid across the street so he can, like, get onto, like, the next bus. I think it was, like, a city bus he got him on, right? And it fucked me up because up to that point, I didn't know that white people could be nice to black people, especially mm-hmm. a kid that looked like me, right? Because from everything I've been told, totally. I'm, like... Mm-hmm. these people are dangerous stay away like they will follow you around in the mall like I know you five but they'll follow you around the mall if you get lost and you could get arrested cause they arrest little black boys don't matter how old you are, right? Mm-hmm. and I saw this white guy help this black kid and it was fucking with my head like I, I remember thinking about this shit all day I was like so they're nice <laughs> like they're nice they help what is life what is this <laughs> <laughs> what is this shit So I mean, like I I was, I was just always hyper aware, and I was just always asking questions. I was, I was the nigga that was in all the fucking um, Black History Month contests, right? (laughs) That was me. I knew all the facts. I knew Mm -hmm. uh, all the Langston Hughes poems, all the plays, all the black movies and stuff. And since I had that speech therapist, I talked like a white kid. So I was constantly at odds with folk, with being like.
1: You ain't black enough. It's like you're not black
3: enough. But I'm like, nigga, I'm I'm literally the blackest person on this block, like
1: South Carolina
3: black. Like like I, it's like I don't even I don't even try to watch like cartoons that don't seem black to me and stuff, right? Like I was justifying why I was watching Doug in my head. It's like Skeeter. It's like black too. It's like Skeeter's Roger. black. Pat, like Patty mayonnaise is clearly mixed. You know what I'm saying. So it's, like, <laughs> so it's like the ratio of like what? black people to white folk in this show it bounces out. So I can watch it, but yeah, I, can't. Right. I can't watch Disney Channel because it ain't no niggas <laughs> over there. It's none, right? So I mean, so like as a child, that was just like me growing up, and I'm I got very comfortable talking about race. And even now, I'm way more comfortable talking about this shit than most people around me, yeah. which is probably why I'm hard to work with. Because the race <laughs> conversation hate it. is fun. Most hated. Most hated. <laughs> you gotta be aware to be able to work with you. That's all. That's yeah.
2: all. That's all. Um, take a little turn. Roy Lichtenstein is one of your favorite artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are some other artists that inspired you as well?
1: <sighs> okay.
2: It's so many, but...
1: Hold on, before you get into it, tell yeah. us why he's your favorite artist first, and right. then yeah, go true. into your... All
3: right, so Roy, it, if you don't know, R- Roy Lichtenstein is a pop artist who... He did, he did something really simple, right? Okay. He was taking, like, these daily comics and comic book panels, and he was blowing them up out of proportion. So... uh the crying girl. I'm pretty sure everybody's kind of like familiar with that painting or that particular piece. It's just like this white girl and in some water, right? And she's just crying. (laughs) That's it. Um, what was dope about the paintings is when you take something that's so small, something you see uh, in a news strip. I'm sorry, I had to Google it because yeah. I'm like, I know, but I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mixtape. I throw it up into individuals. <laughs> yeah, the individual joints, right? So it's like they're iconic pieces, but the thing is, like, you're taking something, and he's not even the original author of the images. These yeah. are just like old comic panels from like 1950s. You blow these bitches up to be like. Eight feet, ten feet—they become something completely different, and that's like the joy of art. When you take something out of context, or when you remove the functionality from something, Mm. it becomes artwork. And when I learned that, it just kind of like blew my mind. I'm like, nigga, like that's that's
1: that's it—the cheat code.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's not even the cheat code. It's just like. When you apply it to stuff in the real world, right? So we're sitting in this room, and we have all these chairs, right? Yeah. If I was to take away two legs of the chair, but the chair still stood, it's no longer a chair, it's a sculpture, mm-hmm. right? The functionality of it is gone, but we still appreciate the structure for what it is, mm-hmm. right? It's not a chair, though. And that goes for, like, so much. Um, You had a French artist, like, Duchamp, and they were going through, like, this whole, like, absurdist period and stuff, and, like, the nigga went to an art fair with a urinal and signed his name on that bitch. You just put an old school urinal on the wall, sign his name on it, right? You can't, it's it's art, but it's like, you can't piss in it,
2: right? You can't, it's
3: not a urinal anymore.
1: It lost its functionality.
3: And that's the point. So when old boy went to Basel, he just put that That banana banana on the wall. Right? Like, it's a ballsy move, but also like, that's a bold statement being like, it is what it is, because I'm using it as something that it isn't supposed to be. This isn't supposed to be beloved. And here it is. I'm making this valuable. And in a way, just sort of like learning, like that out of context, just me learning that taking things out of context brings appreciation made me think about myself, right? Any other time, black folk are discarded, we're thrown away mm. until we change the context in which we exist. Now we're valuable, right? I'm not your nigga. I'm not your slave. I'm not a victim. I'm not a statistic, right? I am something to behold because I'm, like, functioning in the way that I'm designed to, right? I'm special now. And I'm worth a whole lot of motherfucking money. Don't play with me. Mm. So that's... You know, that's that's one of the things I learned from Roy, and that's one of the things I appreciate about Roy. But as I got older, because they don't teach you about black artists in school, we're <laughs> invisible, which is why you got to take them niggas out of context and stuff.
2: Um, I went to this event called Art Beats and Lyrics. Hold on. Before we get back into that, we got some bills to pay. All right. Now that we got that covered, let's get back into it. Um, It's run by two great dudes, uh Jabari Graham and W,
3: a.k.a. The Art Bishop. And these guys created a... Traveling Black Art Exhibition dedicated to hip hop. Mm -hmm. If you've never been to ABL, I encourage you to go to one. But they came to Charlotte in like 2008. I went to the show. It was these fine ass black women in like silver baby doll dresses. And they're like, would you like some Jack Daniels? And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I would like some. I just turned 21 like, yeah, give me that shit. And I go around the corner and there's purple lights everywhere. And niggas have train sets that they have airbrush graffiti on too. Nice. They got boom boxes that they have done graffiti on. It's large portraits of Erica Badu. Um, um, we have like hip hop themed portraits of of Galactus playing marbles with the universe, wow. all set to the backdrop of a cool. cover band doing all LL Cool J. And early Def Jam's tracks, right? Mm-hmm. This is the first time as a black kid that I knew that I could create art in a capacity that I wanted to. I ain't know this shit existed mm-hmm. before I went to that show. And like seeing that just opened my eyes up. It's like so much like the shackles were off. So like shout out to uh Jabari and dub on that show. It's still going on. I hope y'all come back to Charlotte, but ever since then I've been a fan of guys like Fahamu Paku. Uh, a.k.a. Fahami was the shit, um, Nina Chanel, Nina mm-hmm. Chanel, Abby specifically, uh, of course, Carrie James Marshall, and then, you know, people like my studio mates, like Carla Aaron Lopez, you know, the yep. fucking goat. If you ain't had her <laughs> on the show, get her on
1: here with a beer, you'll have a great time. you got to get her on the show. <laughs> but I want to I wanna go back to that, to the banana thing you, was, you were speaking of, right? Mm-hmm. Now, who determines that artwork is viable? You, the artist itself, gotta be a renowned artist to put that and make it say, you know what? Hey, this is worth X amount of dollars because I did it. Mm-hmm. Or it's like anybody, like, hey, this is art. What, what, what brings <laughs> the value to that piece? Is it the artist itself?
3: Yes yeah. and no. <laughs> y- yes and no. It's okay. So. When you purchase artwork, okay, this is the, this is Art Collecting 101, right? Okay, give us the dig. So when you are purchasing artwork, you want to buy work from an artist that is consistent. And I'm not talking about in the quality of work. I'm talking about the lifespan of that artist, right? Um, I could go out right now and buy, like, an amazing painting or sculpture for some kid that's been working for, like, two years, right? And then if he doesn't make any other pieces, his catalog is now nothing. It's now nothing, right? Gotcha. So the length of the time the artist is working is very important. Uh the consistency of his work is also very important. Um now what people don't understand is that art is very much a game, like when it comes to like stocks, right? Mm-hmm. Um there's no such thing as like an estate tax on art. So uh, when Jay Z passes, when Jay-Z and Beyonce are gone and uh, those kids inherit those Basquiat's yep. that have now increased in value, the state can't get no money off that. There, there, there's no tax to pass that down and that's very much intentional. People hide their money in, art. in their art collection. Mm-hmm. If you were to ever go to like a museum or a gallery and you see something be like, oh, that's fire, and look at the sign and figure out who did it, chances are it will say on loan or courtesy of the collection and then it will have like a family name on it, right? Got you. Those people nine times out of ten are getting like a tax write-off, right? Because you're taking a loss by donating this piece for X Dude. amount of time for X mm-hmm. amount of money, right? Oh, wow. I didn't so know what that
1: way, yeah, yeah,
3: it's a it's a lot involved <laughs> in this process of like buying art and making that work for you, but you wouldn't necessarily know because you don't own any art, you don't know you don't know any people that own that kind of art, hmm. um, like. Just going down to like Art Basil and walking through like Scope and like some of those artist fairs and stuff, it gives you sort of a behind the scenes look of what's really going on. And there are essentially galleries, a.k.a. labels, that uh, have these artists on their roster and they build up the prestige of these artists, right? Um, they might give them like a little advance or they might hook them over the studio and they'll be like, we got a fair coming up. We need uh, 12 to 20 New pieces in six months, right? And ours is like, okay, cool. And they get to work. Meanwhile, on the back end, the gallery, they're writing up all this PR. They're pushing this nigga to to, to these new countries, not not cities and states like, like they're pushing them big in France, mm-hmm. Dubai, uh, uh Beijing, right? And when it comes time for the show, it's a limited amount of pieces. It's only 20 of these hoes. No prints. And you got people mm-hmm. from all these large markets coming in trying to put in a bid to get this painting because the label done built this person up, right? Yeah. Now, the label going to get their cut, 40, 50, 60% mm-hmm. of the cut, and then the artist gets whatever's left over. But for the people that bought it, the collectors, like, let's just say, uh, let's use Diddy for example, right? Yeah. Diddy goes, Diddy went and he bought a Carrie James Marshall from, like, a private collector. He didn't buy it directly from Carrie James, but- Diddy spit a grip on that KJM painting, right? The collector got to keep all the money that Diddy paid for that painting. None of it went to Kerry James, right? Because Carrie's ownership of that piece ended when it was sold mm-hmm. however many years ago. So Kerry could have sold that paint for $10,000. Mm. The collector had that bitch uh, uh, insured. Uh, he had somebody come in and like appreciate it. And shit be like, oh yeah, this is fine materials out like this and that. And he took it to Sobeys auction house and sold it for like a million, a hundred million dollars, right? That
0: that's it. the fucking game. Hmm. So I'm, you got me thinking like, <laughs> 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 I'm thinking now music business. Like yeah. in a situation like that, <laughs> does the the actual artist, muralist not have the knowledge of the business? Like how do they find themselves in those situations though? Or
1: well, that's just the game. You, you just got to take sort of those thing. losses in the beginning so that way later on in life you can profit. But but she's not doing profit in, so she no nah, profit. She <laughs> Remember
3: when I, slavery? Remember I talked about that plantation earlier? Like it's that's that's, that's the, the system. Huh. Um like when everybody was going like NFT crazy and stuff earlier. One of the perks of an NFT was essentially that even if it's resold, you have Something backdoored bad. some kind of programming into it so that you can get your royalties or residuals if it's resold, because yeah. the expectation is that it's gonna resell. Yeah. When you have physical artwork like that, it's kinda hard. It's kind of hard to do it and or track it. Now I have seen I have seen a lot of black artists uh do things where there's like a legally binding contract attached to the physical piece so that if it is resold on the aftermarket, they have to get a certain percentage right. of those royalties or that resale. But for the most part, if you're working within like a gallery, you sign a contract with the gallery and the gallery's like, you're making this stuff for us. We reselling it, and this is what you're getting commission-wise on the back end, which is kinda why a lot of galleries are dying out right now, because with the internet, I can go directly to my uh, to my collectors or my constituents. And get it from them. And get it from yeah. them, mm-hmm. but also that's the thing, a lot of the galleries got the high-profile collectors who got the money to put you into that six, seven, eight-figure um, um, landscape yep. of buyers. So to answer your question, it's it's definitely both. You want, you know, you want a Nas, right? You yeah. you, you want a nigga that had a, a, a good hot mixtape and a great debut album and a good follow-up and now he's experimenting with some new shit in his later years. You,
1: mm-hmm. you want a Nas.
3: Yeah. yeah, you want a Nas. But that Nas may have a label or a distributor that's attached to him that's taking a big cut, but also they built that nigga up so that he could get to your ears, right? so it's it's definitely you know it's a it's a team sport
1: yeah. man 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 all
0: right well fun fact many <laughs> people may not know this but the kings of comedy was one of the many inspirations <laughs> of why you moved to charlotte yeah so while you love it here you definitely don't hold no no punches as the listeners will find out so one of the big things it's going to be two in particular the black lives matter mural you know you was one of the key organizers in putting that thing together but you didn't like the way. They ended, you know, ultimately ended up happening. Then also, you went, you know, Charlotte viral for your comments about entertainers coming here and <laughs> how you know people not, you know, purchasing tickets.
1: Yes, yeah, so that. you've
0: you've talked a lot about ways to fix some of these issues, but this is my challenge to you. Maybe not even challenge. Would you ever consider running for public office since? You know what it takes. Hell no, no,
3: no. <laughs> <laughs> Never mess other people. Not yeah, for real. No, I, I listen. I know my role, and I'm gonna stick to it. I am an agitator, right? Mm. And you don't necessarily need an agitator working in the capacity of an authority th- figure, yeah. right? That comes with constraints. That comes with <laughs> rules. You know, like ships. <laughs> yeah, like right like know like, himself. <laughs> yeah, there, there is there, there is red tape that comes along with that, right? Mm. And I'm not saying I'm an unlikable person. But I'd rather be the villain that pushes somebody to make the right decision versus, like, ugh, tap dancing around on stage to coerce people into doing what the fuck they're supposed to be doing in the first place, right? That's not, you know, that's not for me. Now, if you want somebody to run for office, you know, get, you know, get your Dave Butler's. You know what I'm saying? Get, get, get your Dave Has Wings out here or your Hugh House's. Get them into those positions, right? Hmm. Uh, like Even like my homie uh, Carla, like, she sits on advisory boards, which is good, right? We need people on the inside to make those decisions. But if it's not somebody on the outside raising hell, being the worst possible option <laughs> or the worst possible solution <laughs> to your problem, you can't expect change to happen, right? You're right. I mean, like, so I like to use the analogy of, like, Martin and Malcolm, okay? Hmm. They – they wanted the same thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. They
3: would shoot for the same shit. Two different approaches. But you rather deal with Martin <laughs> than, Malcolm, than deal with Malcolm. Like, even even when Malcolm was being peaceful, it's like, to I'll still. Point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> e, e, even when Malcolm was being nice, it's like, I'll, I'll still go the Martin route <laughs> on this one, right? And you need both of those things, right? Yeah. For it to exist, as far as like, I mean, just. I don't know, Like this this is Charlotte. It has a long history of being like deeply racist and segregated, and it doesn't want to acknowledge that. So as long as she's in denial about who she really is, I don't expect too much. Um, I'm just here to hold up a mirror and remind them, like, y'all y'all niggas ain't shit. You still not shit. Mm. Uh, you sold this city to too many people, and now mm-hmm. you have all kind of infrastructure problems. Ain't nowhere for nobody to live. I'm still trying to figure out where these niggas is working that are paying $2,500 a month, $2,800 a month for one bedroom. I wanna know where those jobs at. <laughs> Put me on so I can work six months. Like, that's, <laughs> that's all I want. Mm.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Man, man. It man. would be pretty interesting to see you do, do something in office. Because only for me, because like understanding <laughs> who you are. Let's say it only lasts a year. I, think I, would I would still enjoy it because there would be things that you found out Man. or you discover, and like you would take that information, I'm sure, and do something positive with
1: it. You will ruffle so much feathers. It's necessary though. Like, yeah. well, what is the yeah. structure
2: where if nobody ruffles feathers or tries yeah. to disrupt something? It's like it needs to be disrupted. That's true. I get
3: that. I get that. I um, being from Greenville, like one of the one of the most prolific celebrities we had was, like, Jesse Jackson, right? Ooh, and, it's Rainbow like, Coalition. Legend. Yeah, and it's, like, I saw him speak twice. Like, I marched with him and Judge Mathis when I was, like, 15 years old wow. in an effort to make Martin Luther King Day a recognized holiday in the city of Greenville, right? It didn't work, but also as I'm out here marching, I'm like, wow, why the fuck am I out here as a teenager spending my time with Judge Mathis and fucking <laughs> Jesse Jackson, to get a paid holiday off like I'm not even working like <laughs> I know I'm gonna be going to school but this is weird that this is happening right now in like the early 2000s so it I don't know just all the all the pieces were there all the problematic pieces was there and I appreciate Jesse being like the agitator that he is and not being scared to go into spaces where he knows he's not wanted mm-hmm. to just talk that good
1: shit so now we gotta talk about celebrating blackness in the blackest way possible. Okay. <laughs> Rag Fest. Yes, sir. You and your team giving Charlotte national attention and there's even interest in the UK, France, and Ghana. What does evolution for the Durag Fest look like?
3: That's a good question. Oh,
1: and I I gotta thank you for having us out there last year with yeah. Fest. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We gotta get there again. Hey, get us in the next year. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, (laughs) no, yeah, no problem. We We already know. (laughs) We already know.
3: Um, I mean, definitely the evolution would be like increasing that footprint, right? Um, everybody deserves to feel black. (laughs) Like everybody, like it's a, it's a good feeling. I remember the first Durag Fest we had, right? Um, I was once again being like hella petty. So I made sure that the festival happened right in front of my studio and it was like obstructing the pathway to the boiler yard um, because they were having like a, a luau night in the boiler yard for, um, I guess, like some of the white members of the community. And I wanted them to have to, like, interact with us mm, to get right. down there. Right. And Black Panther just came out. And, you know, uh, the, you know. Families are coming through. They got on their boat shoes and they khaki pants, and they got their daughter by the hand, and the kids are like wide eyed looking around, and you know they muster up the courage and they run back and they type a the type of black girl on they be like, hey, hey, <laughs> I like your dress. It's pretty. You look like a princess. And then the white kids run off, and the black girls is like this bitch just called me a prince. Know, I, know, I know that's right, but you know, like... <laughs> right? like You know, like, the, 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 the white kids are coming through screaming, Wakanda, Wakanda. And we're not taking offense to it because yeah. y'all clearly just saw the movie, but, like, you're seeing beautiful black people in, like, all these colors and patterns. And, you know, like, they have ornaments, like, coming off their head and training along the ground. So, like, in that moment, I realized that people don't get to be their authentic black ass selves all the time i know i do because like i don't work within the corporate structure so i don't have to worry about it but as far as everybody else i saw the value in, in giving them space and time mm. to express that and i would like i would definitely like to find like the funds or the assistants or the corporate sponsors if they're bold enough so that we can just take this
2: to like other cities you mm-hmm. know it deserves a tour. One hundred percent. It deserves it.
0: One hundred percent.
2: Uh, quick question on that. Do rag preference? Hmm. You know, or wave cap. You know, it, could, it don't have to be a do rag. You know,
3: I've I've honestly fallen in love with the bonnet. Yeah, <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> a, a man of class. Big word. Yeah. Big word. A, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a
2: bonnet, but I get it. I get it. The bonnet and the shower cap. I get it. I fuck with that. I fuck with it. I ain't gonna front, like, I, I wasn't in the uh, beauty supply store the other day, and I thought about it. <laughs> I, I see I, I see it, and I'm like, I don't know, but, you know, on the pillow, you know, mm-hmm. I'm considering. <laughs> I've thought about it. Um, but with that said, we're gonna transition real quick. I um, want to know who the artists and creators in the city you feel like don't get enough credit. Who don't get their flowers? Who don't get their flowers? Yeah. Or not enough of them, at least. Okay, hold on we're going through the Rolodex there's a list <laughs> going to the Rolodex hold
3: on one second uh, mm. man
1: man man why are you do that that's just crazy Where way you setting that up it's just thinking about the way the art world works I always seen the galleries and I see the artists like even with you mentioned Basquiat earlier um, like I knew during when he was live he was he was the guy you, you know in a sense but now you know of course after you pass He's the guy. Like, like what, right. what? What? Why his passing made him the the man, man, man. Oh, Basquiat. Yeah, he had a white cosign. Oh, uh,
3: yeah, Andy. Okay. So, so yeah. So so, so, so
1: about that cosign, you think he would have been this artist, and then would have passed, and then would have phased on out.
3: Man, if if Andy Warhol had not cosigned Basquiat, he probably would have died homeless. And I'm not, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be mean, wow. but like, I'm trying to keep it real. Like Basquiat was very talented, but like Andy War, like. That was that nigga at the time, right? Like mm-hmm. Andy Warhol is like Jay-Z at that moment. He has, he is the definition of pop art, right? He's one of them niggas that said, you see this Campbell's soup can? Hey, this is, this is art. Hmm. It's not soup no more, baby. This this is, this is a million dollar, <laughs> this is a million dollar print. what I'm saying? You know, like I, I'm, I'm doing Marilyn Monroe's portraits the yeah. way I want to do Marilyn Monroe. So... Him finding boss guy saying, yo, this 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 young, homeless Afro-Latino kid that, that gave me this drawing on the post uh, on, the post on card, a
2: postcard. Yeah. Uh, on
3: a napkin, mm-hmm. he's the wave, baby. He's the wave. F- fuck with it or get gone. Mm. And the streets went crazy, right? They went crazy over that shit. But if it wasn't for him or like Fab Five Freddy, that's yeah. a career that definitely does not get. he yeah, doesn't. Fab Five does not get enough credit um, in his own right as an artist, but being the guy that connected, sure. like, the fine art world with the street art world. Hmm. Right? Because you, you you couldn't be in both. You really couldn't. And he brought those things together. Right? So we wouldn't have, like, uh, people like Cause today if Fab Five wasn't bridging that gap for us. Man. Um, okay. Let's see. Artists in Charlotte. Who's not getting enough love, not getting their flowers. Um, okay, I would say number one, the Galloways. So Dion DeVita Galloway. Definitely big, big up. At, big at big up. And swat. Uh, they are definitely like the 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 fairy godparents to a lot of this art shit that you see happening today. Um, without question, I have seen people with ideas walk into that shop and within two weeks, they got a show, they got an event, and they rarely ask for anything when it comes to giving creatives opportunities, right? So, I got to give them all their flowers. Um my girl Carla Aaron Lopez um she snuck back into the city, started working in the studio, found inspiration and just hit the ground running. She's trying to create she's trying to create what should have been the Atlanta art scene, right? Um this perfect melody of like highbrow and lowbrow artwork, right? Um, like this injection of black and Hispanic and Southeast Asian culture into these um, incredibly staunchy, uptight white spaces. That's the work that she's doing right now. Um, I mean, yeah, like Charlotte's just filled with a lot of legends that don't get their just due and end up leaving and rightfully so, right? Um Shout out to my girl, like, Georgie Nakima. She's been out here killing these murals across the country. Not just here in Charlotte, but I feel like it took her, like, leaving the city to find her fucking fame. Mm. And people should have been showering her with all the praise well before she was working on the World Trade Center, way before she was in magazines, way before she was doing, like, these Ford commercials and AT&T drops. I mean, yeah. Just, I don't know. I should I, I should have had a whole list. If, if you mad, I ain't put you on the list. You can cuss me out later. It's, fine. <laughs> it's all love. Y'all it's don't
1: want to find me. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, if money wasn't the issue, what event would you curate if money wasn't the issue?
3: I would curate this hypothetical event called Black AF, a.k.a. Black Art Fest. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will rent out the entirety of the Ford building at Camp North End. Um, there will be artwork suspended from the fucking rafters. Like, everywhere you go, you're walking under and in between black bodies, black faces, black artwork. Uh, I would have large-scale sculpture works because there's not a lot of sculpture in the city. And, um, I mean, yeah, it'll probably be really experimental, too. I'm talking, like, laser lights, projections. Hmm. All kind of shit. I wanna do, I wanna do like a lot of like luxury events for niggas that have gold teeth. Mm. <laughs> I used to, I used to do like a lot of like live paintings and like clubs back in the day. And the people that would be like most excited to buy artwork were like naturally like hood niggas in VIP sessions, right? And I know that if they, I know that if they knew about collecting or if they actually went to art galleries, they would love that shit. Yeah but those spaces are inaccessible to them on purpose. So I would like to actually have a legitimate VIP club experience for art collectors that -hmm. are actually like VIP and not just niggas that spent $300 on a table that was spit eight ways. That's (laughs) that's not it. Niggas out.
0: But big up that Notorious B.I.G. live thing that you did at Label. The -hmm. research team did see that. Oh yeah, damn, that was a long time ago. Yeah man, yeah man. All right, so damn it, Wesley, we reached the most popular segment of Jack of All Space Nation. We like to call it Top 5 Dead or Alive. <laughs> of course, shout out to God lie, and lie, CJ lie. the Kiss. So a lot of your work is that intersection of civil rights and Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. So who are your top five civil rights activists? Then who would be their comic book character equivalent? Mm.
3: Okay, hold on. Top five civil rights activists.
1: Uh. In their comic book? Equivalent.
3: Okay, so okay, damn, let's do this. Okay, so number one. <laughs> All right. Number one, I would say James Brown. Oh James man, Brown, The okay. Godfather. All right. Now, James
1: who, who, Brown. Who is he in the comic book world? In the MCU. In the in the MCU. Who was he?
0: Oh, could be DC. Or could oh, could be D-O, you know. D-O, nah, about no, graphic no, novels. no, <laughs> no. No, he's
3: right. It so he's right. It would have to be the MCU, specifically because DC is like almost all mythology based, so the characters in the DC only translate to like Greek gods and stuff, right? Mm,
1: okay, I see. What but you're Marvel,
3: Marvel happens in our world, right? Mm. So anything in the MCU is like New York, LA, yep. yeah, Texas, right? Mm. And there are actual allegories and analogies for like certain social situations, okay? Mm-hmm. So James Brown. I would be like, that's like our Iron Man, if I'm saying. Okay, okay. Mm. You know, it, it's <laughs> like James Brown invented his own fucking form of music. And that form of music may like sits other different forms of music.
4: Okay, yeah.
3: Like, Jane, at one point in time, James Brown was so rich and popping at one point in time, he opened his own fucking grocery store. And he had his own currency with his face on it that people had to spend there,
4: right? Hmm. I didn't James know. that. Nah, fun you fact. see my, that's <laughs> my fun fun more. Fact. Look, I'm intrigued now. Yeah.
3: James, James Brown had his own form of currency that could only be spent in yes. a grocery store, right? Which is why? Because he's not making any money off of this. He's essentially just giving away free food to the niggas that he fucks with, but they have to pay with his face. James Bucks. Yes.
0: <laughs> no, that's it. What years was this though? Hmm? What years was this?
3: Probably like late sixties, early seventies. Really? Damn, I'm about to do but some that research. money still existed right now. I'm about to like, do some research. Yeah, like James. Like okay, James was wild I <laughs> write us. that shit. Down. <laughs> Can you imagine Iron Man with like a press? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard.
1: Who right. we got for number two?
2: Okay, um, the James
1: Bucks. Yeah, I would say okay. So like
3: okay, so like number two, I would say like the Black Panther Party as a whole. Okay. Just like collectively. I feel like everybody in there. Huey
1: P's.
3: Yeah. Huey uh, P, like Angela, mm-hmm. Kwame Ture, yep. like Stokely Carmichael, yep. all those guys, they would be like the equivalent to, uh, I'm going to have to say the Avengers and stuff. like. I can see that. Like a, a a paramilitary group of young people that just, you know, you know what, never mind, scratch that. They're not the Avengers. They're the fucking X-Men. Mm. Okay. They're S men, because, <laughs> because we, we, within the context of the books, S men show up. You getting stomped out like they don't fight one on one. They don't fight fair. Nah, mm-hmm. yeah. Them, them <laughs> you had that chance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you had that chance. Hey, we we, 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 should, we shouldn't have got here. Y'all want to discriminate? <laughs> Y'all getting stomped out. Mm. Let's see number three. Uh, let's see number. Man, this is hard. There's so many people. Um, I would say like okay, so like Nat Turner,
0: okay, okay Turner, okay. who is he? Oh, back. the Punisher. Uh,
4: <laughs> yo, yo,
0: let me get the air on the natural. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yo, yo. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. The Punisher. The black, day. the Black delegation agrees. <laughs> yeah, Yo. <laughs> yeah,
3: Black delegation. Um, number four,
0: number four.
3: Okay, this is gonna be problematic but i would oh. say number four would probably be like oprah okay oprah okay oprah and i would probably in my world she'd be like a mix between like sort of like professor x mm-hmm. and how she can just like manipulate mm. people into doing whatever she needs them to do but also i feel <laughs> like sort of like storm she just like controls environments mm. I see with that. very little effort, effort. Mm-hmm. right like you can say what you want about Oprah.
1: But that bitch right there, she hey, you Shoot, get your book in the book club, you selling it. I mean, listen, like <laughs> it, <laughs> if, <on> that
3: <laughs> if you were in Oprah's presence, like yeah. you, you you just give up all power. <laughs> all power. And um, um my last one, another problematic one, uh Tyler Perry. Okay, Tyler oh. Perry.
1: Okay.
4: Tyler Perry.
3: And I feel like Tyler Perry would be more akin to like a villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Uh, matter of fact, like uh Tyler Perry would be like a a Let's Luther, or like a Norman Osborne, right? Hmm. Okay. Uh like the public, the public adores him, right? But behind the scenes, I can imagine like he's oh, just yeah. seething, just <laughs> ready to destroy things, take them down. Like, you know, uh he's out here plotting on Spike Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Every waking moment, he's like, I'ma, I'ma destroy you, Spice. Oh, I remember what you said, nigga. I'm on your head, boy. I'ma, oh, I'ma build another studio on top of Brooklyn just to spite you, because I got the money
0: to do it. Yo, Jack of all, Space Nation. That was
2: great. I,
0: I, yo, like, most flowers... Greatest top five, greatest top five, greatest the top, top five. By the by far,
1: <laughs> the greatest. I don't think
0: about love, the top five. Love then. to all the past guests. Yes. Y'all know what it is, but that shit right there.
2: He actually wrote it down while he was <laughs> while he was doing, what doing it. Yeah, a lot of thought went into that and break
0: it down bit, so. Our Nah, but <laughs> let's let's just recap though. Let's recap. What, you know that Black Panther. Well, no, no, no the Black Panther party, party. being the X Men. That, that that hit, you know. Nat Turner Punisher, Punisher. (laughs) what the fuck? (laughs) That should be a piece.
1: Like that should should be be a shirt. You got you got you got got me thinking. Head on a punishment body. (laughs) You got you got me thinking.
0: Nah, that's man. Oh my goodness, it's hard, right? Yeah, but but it makes so much sense. (laughs) But it makes so much sense though. Man, damn. Damn it, well, damn, damn damn it Wesley. Wesley. <laughs> damn it, Wesley. Yo, <laughs> shout out all the socials mm-hmm. so that people can find you. Listen, man, I'm not that hard to find.
3: I am at damn it underscore Wesley on Instagram, dammit Wesley on Twitter, and probably dammit Wesley on TikTok. I don't check it too often because all my <laughs> content gets banned. But hey, <laughs> if you got any questions, Google me. I swear to God, I'm not being an asshole when I say that. It's easy to find. I got to Google myself. I've been working way too hard. And, um, I mean, yeah. Are we out? We got something else we
0: doing? Do we sing a song? Oh, shit. How, how, how do we end it out? Oh, you got I'm, a part glad I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> <laughs> because you just heard where you can find Damon Wesley. Yes. But Jack of All Spades Nation, you mm-hmm. know where you can find us. Anchor.fm is the reason why we're on all streaming platforms. That includes Spotify, Apple, Google. Mm-hmm. We are now on Audible. Yep. Ooh. Thank you, Carla, for the visuals, which you can see on YouTube. Jack of All Spades CLT on IG. Facebook. Facebook. We don't have TikTok. Not yet. We ain't got Twitter. Mm, nah. We ain't got Discord. We ain't got none of that shit. But find <laughs> okay, us on yeah, that IG. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> as yes, always,
1: I am the beloved one. It's your boy YBB. Shout out to all the diaspora.
2: Thanks, Blue Water, Fat Boy Tires. All right. MH,
0: most hated. Any parting words to Jack of All Space Nation? Um, I know I didn't
3: talk a whole lot of shit on this episode. <laughs> And you lucky that I didn't. But I swear to God, if these niggas ever let me back on this microphone, it's yo ass. I haven't been my normal self. I found peace. I listened to that Kendrick album. But since it's old and it's not in my head no more, I'm finna be the most toxic artist. I, I, I'm gonna be the most toxic artist I can possibly be. That being said, come find me in the gang. This December 9th, mm-hmm. $100 art fair, yes. affordable artwork. Come in there with your fly ass sneakers. Come with at least $300. We are gonna sell you on some of the best work you can get. You are gonna start that collection today. And don't be a hater. Yeah. Yeah. Message.
1: <laughs> Bring a band with
3: you.
2: Bring don't, a band. Don't be a Wendy. Don't be a, don't <laughs> be a <laughs> yeah. All right,
0: now, Jack of alls Phase Nation, you know how we close this thing out. One time for A Tribe Called Quest. Rest in peace, Fife Dog, AKA Malik Taylor. Tell your mother, tell your father, send a telegram, and we out.